I always get a little nervous when Jesus says, all the hairs of your head are counted. It kind of does not set me at ease, I have to say. Um, those of you that uh, enjoy traveling, if you're like me, I love traveling, but uh, those of you that love to travel, with your permission, let me just ask you a few questions. Um, have you ever noticed <laughs> that croissants and Danish taste better in France than they do here? You ever notice that pasta and pizza taste better in Italy than they do here? You ever notice that Guinness beer tastes better in Ireland than it does here? You ever notice that baguettes or bagels tend to taste better in New York than they do here? You ever notice that lobster tastes better in New England than it does here? And for the love of God, have you ever noticed that a beignet tastes better at Café du Monde than it does here? I'm guessing you have noticed this. Um, why is that? You ever notice that? You go on vacation, things always taste better there. Although maybe they would say, gosh, the barbecue in Memphis is so much better, right? I think we can kind of sum it up in attitude. People would say, well, it's ingredients. Yeah, it's ingredients. But a lot of it is attitude, their approach to making food. You know, most Americans, for instance, we would say, more is better. Got to keep that bottom line going. So you would get the synthetic prefab frozen croissant at a grocery store as opposed to a patisserie or bakery in France that makes it all from scratch, and we run out, we run out, it's okay. They're focused on quality. We run out, that's fine, I don't care. So their whole attitude, their whole way of thinking is very different, and for us, when we go and consume these products on vacation, our attitude is different. I'm on vacation. You say, well, can I have a glass of wine? Mom, it's 9.30 in the morning. You're right, let's wait till 10. Right? <laughs> I mean, your whole attitude's different. So we enjoy it. We take in the time. We enjoy each other's presence. Attitude. When we talk about attitude and the, this whole thing that goes along with that, I think it's worth kind of pointing out a few things that we have really two paths there that we can choose with our attitude. We can accomplish great things and inspire others with our attitude, or it is the law of self-sabotage. And a lot of people, you know these people, they, they just have this dark cloud around them all the time. They just will immediately self-sabotage right before they succeed in case I fail that I'm not disappointed. They do this with relationships. People get close to them and they amputate, and they're like, what? What, what just happened? Okay. They self-sabotage. They do this with jobs. If you imagine, um, imagine the iceberg, and what you see at the top of the water, for instance, is somebody that tends to be pretty negative. They accentuate the negative in people. They accentuate the negative in jobs, they're always the victim. It was my ex, it was my alcoholic father, it was 
it was, it was, it was, and it was. It's never this. And you look under that iceberg underneath the water, and there's a deeply insecure person who has woundedness they won't deal with. So it's everybody else's problem. Contrast that with somebody that's a very positive person who also has wounds, and <laughs> they also have been hurt, but what they do is they use it as a springboard to become a stronger, better person. It's kind of like, you remember those gymnasts? They run and they, they, they bounce on that springboard thing and they flip 400 times and land on their feet. I mean, that's kind of what they do, right? Is that the, their wounds, their hurts, their challenges become a catapult to bring them to a different level. That's the difference. And right in the middle is your attitude and mine. If you remember anything of what I'm saying today, something to walk away with maybe. People hear our words, but they feel your attitude. They hear what we say most of the time, but they will feel your attitude. You think I'm kidding about that? You ever had somebody give you the silent treatment? Right? Somebody in your family or whatever? And, and you're like, honey, are, are, you, are you okay? I'm fine. <whistles> okay. So they're, they're saying nothing with the words, but they're saying all this with their silence, their attitude, right? You know, in the Synoptic Gospels, what are the Synoptic Gospels? How many Gospels are there? Four. Okay. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. No. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. So the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They call them Synoptics because there's a synopsis between them. They're very similar. John's very different. So in all the Synoptic Gospels, we hear about this woman who had the hemorrhage. She's bleeding. And for a Jew, that was a very big deal, folks, because they were verboten. Nobody wanted to be near them. They were ostracized completely. So she had, she had this hemorrhage, and she thought, if I could just go and touch the tassel of Jesus. And she goes, and there's this big crowd of people, and, she, and she's like... I mean, put yourself in her shoes. What would you do? I mean, you're, you're in this situation and you think, okay, there's a big crowd of people. I'm, I'm never going to get in there. <laughs> That's what I would have done. It's like standing in the line at DAV. You know? I'm never going to get in there. Okay? And so you, she goes and she says, well, I'm going to try. Right? And Jesus is being touched by all these people, and he stops, and he says, who touched me? And St. Saint, and Saint Peter is like, okay, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. He said, no power just went out of me. Who? And he looks at this woman, and she's crying, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm so sorry, and I'm so sorry. And he says, go in faith, go in peace, your faith has saved you. Uh, so what I want you to do, this is why I'm telling you that story. What would you honestly do? Be honest. If you were that woman, you see this big crowd of people, what would you have done? What would your attitude have been? 
a lot of people would have said, oh, man, whatever, I got other things to do. But she said, no, darn it, this is what I'm going to do. People hear our words, but they feel our attitudes. And our attitudes, in a very special way, can become a catapult to bring us to the next level spiritually, or they become the law of self-sabotage. Years ago, I was, uh, when I was a, a pastry chef, we were making, on average, uh, five wedding cakes every weekend. If you do the math, that comes out to 260 wedding cakes a year. And you know what you learn when you do 260 wedding cakes a year? You learn, man, I really like Taco Bell. Because <laughs> the last thing I want to eat is something sweet. And you, one of the other things you learn is some brides can be challenged, okay? Some grooms too, but usually the bride and the groom would come in and the bride wants to taste all the f different colors and flavors, right? And she turned her, her fiancé and say, honey, what do you think? And he'd say, whatever. And I'm like, smart man, right? So they come in and <clears throat> we had all these wedding cakes to do. We didn't have enough cooks, so I needed to hire uh, a pastry chef. And so um, this one woman, she came in, she was a Japanese woman, she played violin for the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. Never worked one day in a kitchen, not one day. And so she applied for the job, and my sous chef, he comes to me and he says, Chef, you cannot hire this woman, she has no experience. You can't hire her. I said, well, that's true, but she's used to working with her fingers, and she's got an amazing attitude. Give it a So I hired her. As God is my witness, within one hour, she had mastered it. And when you do wedding cakes, you're doing a whole lot of this all day long. She had mastered it. Within two days, she was doing everything herself. Everybody in the kitchen, their jaw, their jaw was on the floor. She's amazing. She's amazing skill, but you know what she had? Attitude. Those of you that hire people and manage people, would you agree with me that you can have somebody that applies for a job, that has an amazing resume, all the way down, right schools, education, but they've got a big, big ego. And then you have somebody that has no experience, but they've got a positive attitude. Who would you hire? Second, I'm guessing. Because you know what? You can teach that. But when somebody comes in with a big ego, can't teach them. <laughs> I know everything. I've known priests like this. Attitude directs, brothers and sisters, the course of our life. And you will either inspire people or you will bring them down. I'll close with this. You know, I don't know anything about politics. I don't claim to be able to predict the future. I can't read the tea leaves, and I'm not clairvoyant. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this. Even though he would disagree with what I'm about to say, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, has already lost the war in Ukraine. 
He's already lost. He just doesn't realize it yet. And that's not because of the weapons that we are sending the Ukrainians. That helps. The reason Vladimir Putin has already lost the war in Ukraine is because of the attitude of the Ukrainians. Anybody that has ever known these people or traveled to their country will testify that these people are tough as nails. They will never, ever, ever give up. If there is one 85-year-old woman in Ukraine with a shotgun, I guarantee you the Russian soldiers will find her the last man standing in Ukraine. They will never give up. Why? Because they have gone through years and years and years of persecution from Russia, including genocide under Stalin. And what their major, most powerful weapon is can be summed up in one word attitude. They know what they're fighting for. And I share this with you folks because in all humility, I think we can borrow something from the Ukrainians right now. Because whatever we got going on in our family right now, whatever challenges, maybe at work, it takes some toughness. Like this woman with the hemorrhage who says, I, I don't know, let's, <laughs> let's plow forward, man. Let's go forward. Roll up our sleeves and attack. And it may work out and it may not, okay. But by God, we're going to try. We inspire people or we bring them down by our attitude. At the end of the day, they hear our words but feel our attitude. 